Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and in episode 68, my guest is Pac-12 Network and ESPN play-by-play broadcaster Roxy Bernstein. Roxy, it is great to have you back on the Everything USC podcast. Nara, my pleasure. And of course, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and so many more. Or go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. For me, you can find and follow me on Twitter, at Narawang Sports. That's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Roxy, how do the fans out there catch up with you? They can find me on Twitter, at Roxy Bernstein. Make it easy, at R-O-X-Y-B-E-R. N-S-T-E-I-N. It's the best way to follow me and where I'm at and a lot of times what I'm thinking about what I'm watching. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, where you'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. It was another stellar offensive showing for USC as they scored over 40 points for the sixth time in eight games to move to 7-1 with the 45-37 win over Arizona in Tucson last weekend. But as the final score shows, The Trojans' defense and special teams, again, had some issues. It's a good thing that USC has the quarterback, Caleb Williams, one of the guys who's being mentioned as a possible Heisman candidate, had another incredible game, 31 of 45, 411 yards, five touchdowns. Again, no picks, no fumbles by Caleb Williams. Another turnover-free day for the transfer from Oklahoma on the ground. The Oregon transfer, Travis Dye, with 113 yards on 20 carries as he was the bell cow back for USC in that game, also got into the end zone once again. Taj Washington and Kyle Ford both go over 100 receiving, and each of those guys got into the end zone as well. Taj Washington with two touchdown catches, Kyle Ford with one, as Jordan Addison missed the game because of the injury he suffered a couple weeks ago. Mario Williams was dressed for the game, but apparently tweaked an injury pregame, and so he sat out as well, as did offensive lineman Andrew Voorhees, so the Trojans had to deal with a bunch of injuries during this game against Arizona. But 
On the other side of the ball, Jaden Delora, the Washington State transfer, really put it to USC. 26 of 43, 380 yards, three touchdowns, did throw a pick, but he also was the leading rusher for the Wildcats, getting 54 yards on eight carries, and that's counting the two sacks that he took in the game. And Dorian Singer had some amazing catches, three touchdowns, 141 yards on seven catches. So USC clearly had some issues. They are ranked ninth in the new college football playoff poll that came out. They're still ranked ninth in both of the AP and coaches polls. So they've got a chance, you would think, if they can win out to go to the Pac-12 championship. And if they win that, maybe if everything goes well, they have a shot for the college football playoff. But Roxy Bernstein, does this Trojan squad have enough in all facets of the game to be a legitimate college football playoff contender? I think that's the question. Look, we've seen how brilliant this offense can be and how electric with Caleb Williams running it, the plethora of receivers and the way they're able to move the ball up and down the field and the running game that they've been able to establish. But the special teams has been a question mark. Defense has been a question mark. So from that standpoint, look, the only loss they have was that heartbreaking one-point loss in Salt Lake City. I still believe USC wins out, or if Oregon wins out, or if UCLA happens to win out. I think a one-loss Pac-12 champion will be in the mix. Because as we know, funny things happen in November. And coming out of this weekend, we know that either Georgia or Tennessee will have a loss. So one of those teams will go down. And I don't think Clemson's all that great in terms of invincible. I think TCU is another one that I I don't think they're going to run the table. So as long as, look, control what you can control. And if you're Lincoln Riley and USC, just win football games. That's all you got to do. And the rest will take care of itself. You can't worry about Georgia or Michigan or whatever happens. Control what you can control. And that's all USC needs to worry about. What has been the biggest difference you've seen now that Lincoln Riley and his coaching staff have taken over from what you'd seen in the past few years under Clay Helton? I think the first thing that's noticeable for me, Nar, is the energy. That is just, it's a different program. And that was evident from the day Lincoln Riley was hired when USC surprised everybody. And, you know, right after he coached in Bedlam, here he comes and he's the new coach at USC. So I think the energy aspect and that explosiveness they have offensively. I think a lot of people, because how heavily USC played the transfer portal, were anxious to see how this USC team would mesh. They would gel with so many new faces coming in and trying to establish themselves as a team. And I think it's happened probably quicker than people anticipated it happening. Now, I think they benefited. The schedule hasn't been necessarily all that challenging. Look, Utah is a really good team, as we know. That's probably the best team that USC has played. And it was a game, they lost a tough one. And they're going to play UCLA. And if they keep winning, more than likely, they're going to play Oregon. At least that's what we think in the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas. So from that standpoint, I think that this USC team caught a lot of people off guard. They thought they'd be good, maybe not this good. But I think it's just the the breath of fresh air that Lincoln Riley has been in, in trying to reestablish this program. So we've talked about how good the offense looks. We've talked about the shakiness on D and special teams. 
The one thing that the D has done is accumulate takeaways. And when you accumulate more takeaways, then you give up. That's usually a recipe for success in the football world. But can they keep up that ridiculous pace of turnovers on the Trojan side? Well, it's an interesting matchup coming into Saturday night, right? Because you look at Cal, Cal doesn't turn the ball over. Now, they may not move the football very much, and they have struggled offensively, but they don't give it away. They've committed, what, the seventh fewest turnovers in the country. So something's got to give Saturday night, whether giveaways from Cal or USC doesn't generate turnovers. But this has been an opportunistic defense, and Alex Grinch's defense have always been this way. Right. They've always been aggressive at going to get the football and and they have been susceptible to the big play, which they have surrendered this year. It's kind of the the MO for Alex Grinch over the years. You go back when even when he was at Washington State. So I think it's a lot to ask for to keep getting this many in the frequency of turnovers. What they forced 17 already. But going into this weekend, I don't think that you can anticipate that happening just because Cal doesn't turn it over. Cal plays very conservatively offensively. I think that they just need to be fundamentally sound and stick to a game plan Saturday night than being concerned about trying to force turnovers against a team like Cal. And we're going to get more into that matchup against Cal. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. I'm joined today by Pac-12 Network and ESPN play-by-play man Roxy Bernstein also should be noted that he is a proud graduate of the University of California there in Berkeley. And if you enjoy the show, you can subscribe, download, and rate it on all of your favorite podcast directories or go to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. To catch up with me, I'm on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Roxy, let the people know how they can catch up with you. They can find me on Twitter. It's the best way, at Roxy Bernstein. And I do, at least for now, have blue check mark until Elon Musk wants to take it away from me because uh, I'm not paying for it. Hi, everybody. Pete Arbogast, the voice of the USC Trojans since 1989. You're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on the Believe Network. Now let's get into the Saturday night matchup, Pac-12 After Dark on ESPN, starting at 7.30 Pacific time, also on the USC Radio Network flagship station, KBC 790 AM. Cal coming in at 3-5, 1-4 in the conference. Their head coach, Justin Wilcox, of course, familiar to many USC fans as a former defensive coordinator for the Trojans. SC leads the all-time series officially 70 wins, 32 losses, 5 ties. That doesn't include the vacated win in 2005. But Cal has actually won two of the last three matchups, including an embarrassing loss for USC to end last season, a game rescheduled due to COVID, and it became the final game of the season, a 24-14 loss to cap off a terrible season for USC. So now USC, as I mentioned, comes in ranked ninth in all the polls, seven and one. And what are you looking for for USC to get this win? For me, I think we kind of addressed it a little bit in the first segment there with the whole turnover issue. Cal doesn't commit a lot of turnovers, but USC has been thriving on that as part of what they have gotten to do on defense well so far this season. So 
I would say that, like you said, something has to give in that department. But if it doesn't, what do you think are the little things that can push it in USC's favor or if somehow Cal can pull off an upset? I think from USC's perspective, they just need to be focused. That they can't overlook it and take Cal lightly. Because the way Cal has struggled, and you're in a part of the schedule here in November where it's a couple of games where USC should roll, right? On paper, you think Cal and Colorado, these are what people think are very easy games. USC can't approach it that way from a preparation standpoint. Because Cal's still got some talent. But as long as they're prepared and they devise good game plans, they've got the talent and the skill people. So from that perspective, Nara, they just need to come into this game, be ready to go, be ready to compete against Cal on Saturday night at the Coliseum. And let's talk about some of the key guys on both sides of the ball. I'll let you handle it. You're the Cal grad. I know that Jack Plummer, the Purdue transfer, is the quarterback for Cal. and He has maybe steadied them a little bit from committing too many turnovers, but he doesn't make a lot of big plays either for Cal. So what are we looking for from the Golden Bear offense? Cal's got the weapons, the skill positions. When you look at Jaden Ott, who's a terrific freshman running back, at receiver, Jeremiah Hunter, J. Michael Sturdivant, Maven Anderson, they're talented. And even though they didn't have the experience and had done at the college level like the receiving core they had last year, this group is clearly more talented. They meet the eye test physically. A couple tight ends that are pretty good, Kalecki Latu and Jermaine Terry. Cal's problem has been the offensive line, and it has really been a work in progress. It didn't help them when they lost Matthew Sindrick for the season. It was probably their best offensive lineman all the way around with his experience, his versatility his understanding of what they're trying to do. And it's really been a tough go of it for the group up front. And that has been an issue for Cal all season, Nara. Look, Jack Plummer's numbers aren't great when you look at what he's done this season. And from an offensive standpoint, look, Cal hasn't really done all that much. They've had a few games, for example, the game against Arizona where Jay Knott went nuts and Cal put up 49 points and they ran for... 300-something yards in that game against Arizona. But if you take that game out of the equation, I mean, Cal has really struggled. They're 11th in the conference in scoring. They're 10th in total offense. And I don't know if it's the scheme with from offensive coordinator Bill Musgrave, but Jack Plummer has, has taken some shots. He has been beat up this year, and he keeps getting up. That's been the impressive thing about him. And last week against Oregon, he didn't play in the fourth quarter. He took a hit. He's been cleared. He's been practicing this week. He's ready to go. But it has really been a tough go of it for Cal offensively this year. They just have not been consistent. And that has really been the troubling thing for this team. There were some high expectations for Cal coming into the year. And I think their defense has been okay for the most part. Special teams have been fine. It's just the offense is at times been anemic. And that has really been a frustrating issue for Cal. Speaking of that Cal defense, there are a lot of recognizable names, some very veteran players, linebackers, Miles Jernigan, Jackson Sermon, safety, Daniel Scott, but also a couple of true freshmen making contributions on that end. Tell me about the Golden Bear D. The defense, first off, they took a significant hit before the year began when 
Brett Johnson is was arguably the best defensive lineman in the league. He was right there in that conversation. Now, he missed all last year with a freak scooter accident right around the spring football game. So he missed all of 2021. They were excited to have him back. He was looking fantastic coming back. And then he gets hurt within a couple of weeks of the season opener. And that really put a damper on things for just for this team because he's the best football player Cal has. You're talking about a guy who's potentially a first-round draft pick, back end, at least a second-round guy. And Cal doesn't have the depth to overcome that kind of an injury. And it was really significant for them. They tried to piece it together, but they've been really thin on the defensive line. They've had some other injuries as well. It's not just Brett Johnson. Linebackers are solid. Secondary's been okay. They've been playing that bend, but don't break defense. You mentioned a couple guys. Xavier Carlton's been a nice fit, a transfer from Utah, who has stepped in, and Jackson Sermon as well. But it really has been tough for them because the inability at times for the offense to sustain drives, which has extended them on the field. And that has made it a little bit more challenging for Cal on the defensive side. So, look, I still think scheme-wise, talent-wise, they're one of the best defenses in the league. But the problem is they've been overextended because of the struggles they've had offensively. And so it's time for us to get to it and make our predictions for what we think is going to happen in the game on Saturday night. To recap for everybody how I'm doing so far this season, through eight games, and we didn't have a show last week, so no guests for me to go against, but I lead eight, six, and four, so it's gotten close there. So we begin, as always, with the players we believe in. That's who we think is going to be the top Trojan player in the game. And this week, I'm going to go for the first time with a repeat player. And most people probably would think I would go with Caleb Williams after picking him in week number one. But I'm going with the other Williams, Mario Williams. Still not sure what Jordan Addison's status is going to be for the game. He and Eric Gentry both missed the last game. And they are both still uncertain about whether they are going to be able to play or not. So I think Mario Williams, again, will have another big game for USC. He's the player I believe in to bounce back from missing the game against Arizona last week. Roxy, who do you got? I'm going with a defensive guy, Nara, because what I was alluding to with Cal, how much they've struggled up front on the offensive line, I think Tuli Tuipolotu is poised to have a huge game. Cal just has a tough time, I think, matching up with him. And look, he's not going to touch the football more than likely and get into the end zone, but I think he's going to wreak havoc. Leads the conference, what, tackles for loss, second in sacks? Well, I think he's going to add to his total this week, and Cal's going to have Fitz trying to keep him off Jack Plummer on Saturday night. That's a good pick. I was thinking about him, too, when I was thinking about the D, and so I end up going offense because I think SC is going to end up putting up enough points but you're right if Tuli Plotu can get into the backfield and cause some harm to Jack Plummer that will definitely help USC's chances in this one so now time to pick the winner and game score Roxy go ahead what do you have in this one and again I should mention our sponsor bet online as we record this on Thursday night has USC as a 21 point favorite well I just, the way Cal's been going recently, Nara, I just don't see a path to victory for them. As much as it pains me to admit it, because, you know, I love my alma mater. I want to see him do well. I am a firm believer in Justin Wilcox, that he is the right coach. But 
the way that they're in a bit of a tailspin right now, I think we're looking at a final score of 38-17 USC Saturday night. 38-17 USC. So you're going to love this, Roxy. You have it right on the number, the 21-point number there that Bet Online currently has. I've got it just a little bit closer. I also have USC scoring 38. I'm giving Cal 20 points, though. Okay. So I've got so it 38-20. So we're in the same area. So if it's a little bit bigger, you're going to win that. If it's a little bit less, then I'll win that on the game score. And of course, it is time for the always entertaining prop bet portion of the show. Nara's No Doubter is what I call mine. And for this week, it's going to be a defensive prop. It's going to be that USC's D will combine sacks and takeaways for at least five. So five plus combined sacks and takeaways in the game. That is Nara's no doubter for this week. Roxy, what is your pick and what are you calling it? Last year, you went a little Roxy's thievery for me because you had a Cal defensive prop. So what do you got this year? Oh, man, I'm going to go. I was thinking the sacks, so I don't want to I don't want to go with what you're going to go, because, again, Cal's had real trouble keeping rushers off the quarterback. I'm going to go passing yards for USC because that's the one area of the defense which has faltered for Cal when you look at the numbers. As solid as their defense has been, especially against the run, they've really struggled against the pass. When Cal's allowing the most passing yards per game in the league at close to 300, and I think that Caleb Williams will exceed the 300 Saturday night. So that's my prop bet. I don't, I don't know what it is when, you know, if I wanted to go to Vegas or whatever and over under on Caleb Williams passing yards, but I, I think he throws for more than 300. All right. So Caleb Williams going 300 plus passing, but what do you call it? I need a fancy <laughs> name from Roxy Bernstein here. Well, it's, I can't really go with an air raid, but you know what? The air traffic control game, because there's going to be all that traffic that's going on in the Coliseum with the soccer game going on next door. How's that? That's true. So Roxy's air traffic control. Yes. All right. I can go with that. That's creative enough for me. Roxy's air traffic control pick is Caleb Williams passing for 300 plus yards in the Coliseum. So to recap our predictions for this week, the players we believe in, I'm going offense with wide receiver Mario Williams, Roxy taking the D lineman Tuli Tui Pelotu. Our game score, very similar. I've got 38-20 Trojans. Roxy has it 38-17 right on the number that Vegas is providing for us on Bet Online right now. 21-point favorite, our USC. And in our prop bets, Nara's no doubter is USC's defense will combine for at least five sacks and takeaways. And Roxy's air traffic control is the USC quarterback, Kayla Williams, passing for at least 300 yards in the game. So we'll keep an eye on that and see how I do against my guests all season long. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today, the Cal grad, ESPN and Pac-12 Network broadcaster, Roxy Bernstein. If you enjoy the show, you can find it on all of your favorite podcast directories, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and more. Subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you listen to it. Or go to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. 
For me, I am on Twitter. Find and follow me at Narawang Sports. That's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Roxy, where do the people go to catch up with what you're up to? Twitter at Roxy Bernstein. Make it very easy. Hey, it's Mike Amber, the NFL Network. You're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nora Wang on the Believe Network. The final segment, as always, as I've been doing all season long with my guests, is about the decision by USC and UCLA to move to the Big Ten in two years. The news broke at the end of June, caught most people off guard. You are very dialed in to the Pac-12 and all the goings-on around the conference. How surprising was the news to you when you heard it? And is it the right decision for these two schools? Start off with the news. I was shocked. There was no indication this was coming. I remember exactly where I was. I was on the middle of a road trip with the Oakland A's. The night before, we'd just flown from New York to Seattle. And I'm sitting in Seattle, and I look at my phone. And initially, I saw the cryptic tweet from John Wilner about the world is about to change. Again, it still didn't give me any indication that this was the news. And then a half an hour later, he sends it out. And my reaction was, holy, you know what? Like I had to double check, make sure the blue check mark was there, that it was John's correct Twitter handle. And I still then didn't believe it. And I was trying to grasp it and wait, what the heck is going on here? And, talk to a few people and I'm like, are you, are you serious? So it was shocking. And I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around it. It just, it makes zero sense to me. And Bill Walton finally broke his silence this week publicly. Believe me, I've had many conversations privately with Bill on the matter. And I still don't get it. I mean, I get it. From the money grab perspective, and UCLA was in dire straits for a cash infusion. Not as much USC. And I get it. UCLA is pretty much along for the ride with SC. I have yet to talk to a coach at either school, Nara, that's happy about this. Logistically, it makes zero sense. It is awful for the student athletes where football is a different animal, right? You're looking at for USC and UCLA, realistically, you're looking at at maximum five long trips. What about for Andy Enfield and Andy Stankowitz and Lindsey Gottlieb and the Olympic programs? That's where I don't think the the full scale of the move people thought this thing through. It's not good for the student athletes' well being. It's not good for them physically or mentally when. You're hopping on an airplane and you got to go to Rutgers and then come home and then you're going to Penn State. And from an academic standpoint, everything just reeks of poor decision to me by everybody. And look, I think eventually, and this is just maybe, I don't know if it's wishful thinking, I think eventually the schools will be back and they'll may, may have buyer's remorse that it, there's it's just not a fit that. There are opportunities financially out here. They could have made this thing work if that was the motivation for the move. And I'll still never really fully understand why this had to happen. And from Mike Bone's perspective and Martin Jarman at UCLA, 
they're kind of newcomers as far as the, their schools go. And they don't, the tradition, the history, everything that the Pac-12, Pac-10, Pac-8 means gets thrown out the window. And to me, it's disgusting. And I should mention that both of us grew up in Northern California. We've been in this Pac-10, Pac-12 things our whole lives. And I was like you. I was stunned. I get it. Financially, it's a windfall. The new meteorites deal that the Big Ten is getting is going to be bigger than whatever the Pac-12 is going to get, even if SC and UCLA were to stay in the conference. That's not really up for debate. But all of those things that you brought up basically tells you that this is about money. That's all it's about. Because if we cared about traditions like people always like to bring up, if you cared about student-athletes' well-being like people always like to bring up, this isn't a great move for that. And football, again, is a once-a-week sport. So you can kind of get away with the travel for a once-a-week sport. But when you're going on road trips that are probably going to have to hit now two or three teams at a time when you're going that far east, and so that means kids are going to be doing Zoom classes, basically, for a week. They're not going to be in classes. So that means that the student part of it is definitely taking a step back with this type of deal. So we'll see how it turns out in terms of how the logistics work. And again, it's a move for money. It's a move for media rights. It's a move for football. And that seems to be what is driving college athletics now is just football money. And so what do you think this is going to do to the Pac-12? The Pac-12 is going to be fine. And every indication that we're getting is the 10 schools that are remaining are unified. They're going to move forward together. Will they add San Diego State? We'll see. But I think the primary goal for George Klyovkov is to secure the next media deal. And all indications are they're very happy with the progress that they're making. Look, it's not 100% that UCLA is gone because the UC region still are going to get together and have a say. I don't see them saying no and forcing UCLA to reverse course. But you never know. But one thing that I really believe, and just reading and talking to some people, this is not going to be easy for UCLA. Like, okay, they're going to go, but I really think the regions are going to make it painful for them. They're going to have to subsidize Cal. And financially, you know, George Klyovkov is is trying, you know, in his meetings with the UC regents, he was asked to write that letter that he provided to the regents by the regents. But will UCLA, will this be a move that makes financial sense? And we'll see. It depends on how much of a haircut they have to take by going if they want to go. But potentially for the rest of the league, there is a big upside still. And I think somebody like Oregon and Washington are in positions to really thrive if the 10 remaining schools are the Pac-10 moving forward because they're the biggest brands that are left. And it's a real opportunity for them with USC not in the picture where the best route for them to a college football playoff will be to stay because they view it's a league that they can win on a yearly basis. So from that standpoint, they're going to benefit from this. But also I think from a Pac-10 perspective, it's still going to be a desirable place. And I know for fact already that 
in some of the other sports outside of football, there's been some recruiting obstacles for both USC and UCLA. And some kids have decided they don't, you know, they don't want to subject themselves to this. I mean, it's, you know, when you're sitting in the middle of January, you think Andy Enfield wants to be sitting at the barn in Minneapolis when it's snowing and minus 10 degrees or on a cross-country flight to go to Piscataway, New Jersey. But that's what they're going to be faced with. And obviously, they're not going to say anything publicly, but some of the comments they made at the recent basketball media days, both the men's and women's, whether it was Andy's comments, whether it was Mick Cronin, whether it was Corey Close, the UCLA women's coach, read between the lines, they weren't so subtle about their thoughts about the situation. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in 2024. And again, this is what I've always said. Let's separate college football from the other sports. Let's have college football. If they want to band together, make super conferences, do whatever they want to do, let's separate that from the rest of these sports so that everything else could remain in the Pac-12 for USC and UCLA because this is all it's about anyway is college football. So it's time for the NCAA to get involved and just make a different tier for college football. That's what it's eventually going to get to anyway. We're just delaying the inevitable. Right. It's going to happen. We we know it's trending in that direction, that the power conference college football teams are going to separate and be their own tier. And they might even fall out from underneath the umbrella of the NCAA. Who knows how it's going to play out? But I do believe with you that we're trending in that direction. As a Pac-12, Pac-10 guy growing up, it is going to be very odd if I'm going to have to root for USC in the Big Ten in a couple of years. So again, we'll see what happens with that. But Roxy Bernstein, always appreciate you coming on and getting your perspective about USC in the Pac-12. You got it, Nora. Happy to do it. So for my guests, Roxy Bernstein, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 68 of the Everything USC podcast presented by Bet Online on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, I end every show by telling you to remember to fight on. I don't know if I have a name for this. I'm not very creative right now, Nara. <laughs> Let's see if I can help you out here. Okay. How about, hmm, it's a passing deal. Bernstein's bombs away? <laughs> well, I'm not throwing them, so I was trying to incorporate one of those Sonoran dogs when you walk out of the Coliseum and that smell just like suffocates you yes. to have to have one. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I can incorporate that into Caleb Williams passing for 300 yards, but the snore, this, the snore dog catch. I don't know. The snore dog catch. Sonoran dog. Sonoran, catch. Sonoran yeah. dog catch. Yeah. No, that doesn't work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.